This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. It's over. SEC Media Days is complete. And uh, we are here to recap it all. And despite uh, Lee's um, hesitation to... Uh, appreciate the finer points of Lane Kiffin's presentations. Is that is that fair? Is that a delicate way of saying it? Lane won the day. All right. Some said that Shane Beamer ding, won ding, the ding. day. Some said that Shane Beamer. I wasn't there, so I can't comment on that. But I will say this. First of all, when you say it's over, you remember what Yogi Ber- the late Yogi Berra said? It ain't over till it's over. So we will be covering a lot of SEC today. Right. Uh, I, I meant the actual event I know what you meant. The event is over. What? Didn't he say something about well, a Well, then four? how come, if it's over, <laughs> then how come our crew's not back? They're still there. Well, they they had to, they had to, are they broad, they're, they're coming back today, right? Are I they broadcasting the show from there? I don't, I don't know. know. what. I don't know. Who knows the travel plans of you know what they? Guys. You know what they used to do in the afternoon for Friday? They wouldn't come back. They just put the best of. Remember that? They just put plan. Really? Yeah. How come we never get to do a best That's of? Exactly Every Friday what? we should That's do the right. best of show every week. Here's the best of the week. Maybe we didn't have enough to fill. I don't uh, know. I'm pretty sure we we, we have right. plenty. Let's get to Could have done your scoreboards alone. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to do a few extra ones today. Oh, good. Hey, before we get to Kiffin, uh, let me get some headlines real fast. Real fast. All right. Uh, at the open, now look, we got open reports, so we don't have to get into this every second because we carry about four or five during the morning show. But Brian Harmon, who is a Georgia Bulldog, and Mark, the last, I looked up his record, in the last three British Opens, I say Opens, that he competed in, he never survived the cut. He is bolted out in front. He's a minus eight. Through I don't know six seven holes right now. Some Actually, of the leaders, uh, he's four under through eleven today. Eight for the tournament. Right, and so it's it's early, and but he he's he wasn't on the leaderboard yesterday. He is today, but that could change. There, the, some of the leaders yesterday uh, haven't teed off. Uh, the cannon went off this morning. I presume I didn't hear it locally. By the way, for the uh, fishing rodeo, we'll have the judge coming on. One the judge the judge coming on. At the 6:30, uh, the USA uh, Women's National Team. Here we go. Getting to watch tonight. I'm pumped. Are I've you? said this all the time. I'm not a huge soccer guy, but when it's us against them, I don't care if it's a spitting contest. I got my red, white, and blue on. I don't care if it's well. I hope. Uh, I Vietnam. Hope. Ivan Drago. It don't matter. All right, all right. Calm down. It's early. We I'm still pumped. have two hours and forty-five minutes to go. I'm pumped. Don't don't get your blood pressure up. But when I saw they're playing Vietnam, <laughs> I've never seen Vietnam listed. Is this their first ever? Like I I still have bad memories of Vietnam based on working in news back in the sixties or seventies when I could never pronounce any of the names and everything. But I don't remember Vietnam ever being a, a, a women's soccer team. But we'll find out. We'll find out tonight. Game one, uh, the USA. USA. Uh, Daniel Snyder. Not only is he, is he out of the NFL, he's out of sixty million dollars. He was fined based on an investigation, and the owners approved the sale. 
of the Washington Commanders to a group headed by Josh Harris. Now, picking up on what Lane Kiffin, and we'll get right back to Lane because I know you want to spend a lot of time. We have audio coming up with him. There is a bill that's been drafted uh, by three senators uh, which would basically standardize NIL, also call on colleges to give better, better medical protection for athletes. Now, the key is, this is one of many, Mark, over the years. Over the past three years, it's been about 11 bills, and none of them, none have ever gotten past the legislative procedure. But if you asked me prior to the week which coach would come out and blast NIL and transfer, I probably would have guessed Saban. Maybe somebody else. Never Kiffin. The soft-spoken, very quiet. You heard players at Ole Miss say yesterday how quiet he is. Never thought that he would be the one to be so outspoken on it because that's not his style. He's a Twitter guy. He is not the type of guy to get out there and vent in front of the public. Well, that's not entirely accurate because— Oh, yes, it is. His players even said so. Well, it's— because his player said so doesn't make it true. He's the one that actually started this word, this 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 back and forth with Jimbo Fisher. Saban gets the credit because he sat up there at a podium and he got caught on video talking about how Texas and him bought players. But Lane Kiffin was the one that actually threw uh, fired the first shot, and so he's always been very vocal, specifically about NIL. Now, what what Lane went off on yesterday wasn't as much as about NIL as it was about the pairing of NIL with the transfer portal because what he did say was it wound up being nothing more than free agency and you're basically telling boosters you can pay players. It's basically an extension of what started with the whole Jimbo Fisher thing last year. What's been interesting about those comments, and it's really nothing new, is that a number of people, including one of our guests today, have called him out for the hypocrisy of those comments as he took off from USC after, you know, you know, well, he got fired, but he, he left Tennessee. He left guys in the lurch, the whole deal. So there's always going to be that segment of the population that hears a coach, whether it's Lane Kiffin or anybody else, talk about how it's bad for the game when these guys leave after a year that then fire back. Well, coaches get to do it all the time. And Lane will sit there and talk about maybe we need contracts or maybe we need – coaches have contracts. So it's a valid it's a valid retaliation to Lane Kiffin's point. But I don't think that takes away from Lane Kiffin's point, which is, one, right now the way it's set up, the schools with the deepest pockets or boosters with the deepest pockets, pockets are going to get the best players. And two – it's bad for the game. I think those two statements are accurate. D would anybody disagree with that? No, but we all know that. Come out. If you're going to go out there and rant, give a solution. And he said, I don't have any solutions. You know, I'm tired of hearing coaches, and there aren't many now, that vent. Plus, he benefits from the portal probably as much as any coach except maybe Colorado today. I mean, he's done very, very well in the portal. Doesn't seem to be affected by NIL. I don't know if many of his players have actually transferred. But you know what? This thing about getting up and making a comment like that, that's fine. But then come back and say, this is the way it should be. This is what we can do. 
And I believe that it is very hypocritical because he doesn't offer any solutions. And then I think that I read somewhere where he started in on the Tennessee thing and said, I know things, but he didn't say anything. Oh, he had opinions. So somebody yeah. asked him yeah. to comment, and he uh, and he and it was actually pretty funny. He's like, well, that didn't take long to ask. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of the kid in school that's, as you pointed out, you, you start something. Maybe you whisper something in the back, and then it seeps forward. Hey, and dude. then it becomes, yeah. I, I, I dare you to dare you right. to hit that kid with know. a spitball. Yeah. Do it, do it. Yeah, She's yeah. not watching. Go, go. That's who he reminds me of. The guy that's in the back, you know, that kind of triggers it. Bro, watch this. I'm gonna get the going. I'm gonna get the pencil stuck in the ceiling. Go ahead, do it. He's he's almost a little bit like uh, out of the Leave It to Beaver character, Eddie so, Haskell. So what was what was Saban's solution to NIL? I'm trying to remember. What was it? I'm trying to remember. He too. didn't have one. He didn't well, have. No one. No coach has one. Well. Every coach has vented on some. But he's form gone up to D.C., so I guess that's his solution. Get the Congress involved. I guess that's what his solution is: get Congress involved, right? Because he went up to the meeting. Well, no, he went up to Congress to say help. Right. Here's the here's yeah, the exactly. problem. Help. That's, that's his solution. Get Congress to do it. Okay, that's so, his solution. So that makes it okay for him to vent. He didn't vent this week. No, but he has in the past. So We're talking if, about this week. Right, but if, if a coach, if you're going to slam one coach for venting without a solution, then you got to slam all of them. Why would you go up there and slam the portal when it's been a big benefit to you? We all know about the portal. We talk about it almost every other well, day. Here's the here's the other point uh, I'll make about Kiffin. In in one regard, he's no different than any other coach, including Nick Saban. Of course, he's venting about these things because he doesn't have the upper hand in these things. When it comes to boosters and the portal and NIL, it's not in his best interest for the rules to be set up the way they are. And he made another great point. A lot, and, and we talked about this. A lot of the a lot of this, the the universities, the states that are going anti NCAA and saying you can do, there are certain rules in certain states that say the universities can fund these collectives. What did he say yesterday that was new that we didn't know that nobody knew about? Because he doesn't go. He mentioned about the Tennessee deal. He was asked about that. He, said, I, I know stuff, but he didn't say it. I know stuff that's going on. I know this. Yeah. What did he say that was well, new? Well, by not saying anything, he did exactly the one thing that you want him to do, which is not be the guy at the in, at the, in the back of the class starting stuff. He even talked about – they even asked him – it was really funny because he someone asked him to, to rank Ole Miss's boosters in terms of who's the, who's got the best booster. He's like, he's like I'm not going to sit up here and start, start a ranking on boosters. He's like, but, God, I'd love to, you know. The commissioner told me I don't have to answer every question and show everybody that I know the answers, which was code for I don't want to get in trouble. I can't say that. What about uh, – let's see. Let me give you a different perspective. Um, all right, well, Hugh Freeze knows about the uh, – he was asked about the Darquez Hunter situation. He He said he couldn't comment. Well, he can hide behind. He the knew privacy about it. Act. Well, he can hide behind the Privacy Act on that. There's no Privacy Act on NIL or, but it, portal. So, what is it that you wanted Lane Kiffin to say? You'd rather I'm him get into saying, the two deep I agree chart? with those that said he was hypocritical. Uh, by you're blasting something in a sense that we all blast, but then it's been so beneficial to Ole Miss. He's done as well as anybody with this portal. And he knows he's done it. I mean, look at the quarterbacks he's brought in. Right, right. But he knows he can't 
beat other schools playing by those rules, which is why he's commenting on it. It's the same reason that Saban took a shot at Texas A&M. Yes, Alabama's got deep pockets, but those pockets don't don't go nearly as far as Texas A&M's, which is why he went after Jimbo. It's not he 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 called it exactly. He's like, man, the transfer portal is only going to help me. I need a guy. I'll go get him. He's like, but but what he saw happening was that Jimbo had the best class in the country. So then he was like, dude, he's paying players. All right, how'd that go? Man, some people think he's going to win the West. Not many. Who, who, Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah, but last year after all the that was, I don't. I'm not. I'm not one of those people. Four and eight last year after all that great recruiting it, class. Okay, if there is. Other than Alabama or Auburn, I'm curious. Which SEC team do you guys hope falls on its face more than any other? Is there a team? Like, we, we always root for whoever, and that's fine. But who's the one team? For me, it's AM. I want to see a train wreck. Maybe it's Tennessee for some of you guys. Maybe it's LSU. Whatever. The only reason... I would agree with you is because I am such anti-Petrino. Yeah, I, I want to see. Am, and even yesterday, even yesterday, and I'm trying to think what show I was watching. I guess it was Paul's show, and he had somebody on from, I think, Louisville. And even the writer, I didn't get his name, was talking about how, you know, because Paul asked him about Petrino and, and going to Texas A&M. And the guy, you know, said he looked at the resume and said he's done this and this. He said, but he's just such an unpopular. He's just not a nice guy. Just yeah. not. He treats people like garbage. I want to see Jimbo and Petrino basically get into it on the sidelines. Ooh, I want one of them nice. in a neck brace, like the next day at a press conference like Petrino was after the motorcycle. Get, it, get a sponsor on that. That'd be great. I think that'd be fantastic. Okay. So uh, we throw a little bit out there. You guys can react. Uh, the SEC media predictions, which are more times than not absolutely wrong, those come out at some point today. As soon as they do, we'll let you know uh, if we get them here before the end of the show. Coming up today, you mentioned uh, we'll talk fishing rodeo at 630. We have some audio from Lane Kiffin. Paul Feinbaum is going to join us to recap the week. It should be interesting. He had a, a pretty strong statement about Lane Kiffin yesterday that he told me um, for a story. We'll get some audio on Greg Sankey. Uh, Josh Heupel, Shane Beamer. Um, we'll also do our Mill Lake Golf Report with John Ricchetti. We've got some Chick-fil-A for you. we got a lot going on. We're going to start things with the scoreboard traffic and weather off and running on a Friday edition of the opening kickoff. Stay with us. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNFC 105.5 Roll Tide. And God bless. Like, oh, we got this NIL, it's great. And then, um, you know, in this portal, it's great. Oh, whoa. Like, and I'm not saying I was the only one saying, I'm like, whoa, this is a disaster coming because you just legalized cheating. And you just told donors they can pay the players. Lane Kiffin, yesterday during SEC Media Days in Nashville. Welcome back in the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee. Uh, we are brought to you by all week long. Again, thanks to our title sponsors, Pat's Industrial and uh, Auto Supply, plus Grizz Market and Cash Saver. Mark, wasn't Kiffin about the only one who really addressed this during the week? I don't remember other coaches, did they? I, don't, I didn't hear them all, didn't read it all. Um, but I think he's the only one that came directly in front of the print media and yeah, talked uh, about it. And that was in his opening statement, which pretty much took, uh, the questions 
out of the realm because he, he addressed it early. Yeah, I think um, I think coaches were asked, but he, from what I can remember, was the only one that made it part of his opening statement. Like, you know, we talked about whether or not Nick Saban was going to have an agenda or a purpose up there. He, he, he really didn't. Lane clearly did. Um, what was the— uh, But he's not wrong. No, of course not. He's not wrong on it at all. Um, I, I don't know if I go as far as use the word disaster. I mean, the game seems to be going pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of things that are good about it. But, yeah, he's, you know, I, I agree with him. I mean, the portal, it's a major issue, and obviously NIL is a major, major issue. What did, to let our audience know before we get Paul Feinbaum, so what did he do to somehow get from Saban to Feinbaum? All right, so uh, actually Michael Bronner asked him a um, – for lack of a better term, a, a fairly vanilla question, one that's been asked of him. He said, hey, Nick Saban, obviously you've had a relationship with him. Can you expound on that, right? I mean, it was that. So he gave a very, like a 60-second, he's the best. Here's why Nick Saban's the best ever. But then he gets into Paul Fonbaum motivating Nick. Um, you know, Paul, and we talked to Paul about this, so Paul uh, did an interview on ESPN uh, about a week or so ago where um, he talked about that if Nick doesn't make the college football playoff this year, you know, his whole coaching career could be or in jeopardy. I'm paraphrasing uh, for his legacy, I think, is what it was, um, could be in jeopardy. So Paul Lane, said that. Yeah. Uh, or no, no. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. Let me let me be specific. He said that people will say oh, right. that his okay. legacy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Paul has said his legacy is cemented, S- but is. people yeah. will probably question his legacy. Blah 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 blah. So Lane, a little bit of tongue in cheek, said Nick does this, or um, that that Paul does this for for Nick every once in a while. He 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 motivates him. So thank you, Paul, for pissing him off. Was kind of his quote. Like we we know he's you know he's always talking about how always oh, down and all this and all that and he winds up and he comes back and he does and, and we know better and so Paul's just sitting here trying to motivating motivate him so I reached out to Paul I said hey Paul this is what Lane said do you have a reaction and he 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 gave me a quote that was pretty um, crazy like it was pretty extreme like I. And and I don't know if Paul had the full context of the comments, um, but Paul went off and just talked about how hypocritical um, Lane Kiffin was. So we should have plenty to talk about today. Um, let's see here if I got the uh, the exact quote from Paul here. I have it. I find everything that Lane says to be humorous. Paul says. But nothing more than the hypocrisy of calling college football a disaster today because players can leave at a moment's notice considering he walked out on Tennessee in the middle of the night for USC. And especially last year when he was secretly negotiating with Auburn while his team imploded, losing last four games as a result, and then managed to leverage that for a $10 million a deal, $10 million a year deal. So then Lane then goes on TV and basically made fun of Paul's ears. I mean, it was great theater. It was it was a lot oh, of fun. That I'm not into. So he's ta- he's taking him down physically then. Well, no, he's making fun of some of his physical characteristics. That's what I'm saying. He's he's no. You made it sound like he took him down off the top rope with some no, WWE I mean, match. If you start taking him down making physically. fun of his ears or something like that. That's that's babyish.
That's that schoolyard. Boy, you really don't like Kiffin. Not today. Not ever. No, I, I know enough about him. There's some things back then. I've read stuff about him, books and everything. I have some stuff on him. But you're not going to say oh, it. Oh, no, I'm like him. I, I'm not, I can't say it. So you're no better than him. Oh, I think I am. You just did exactly what you 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 said he shouldn't be doing and called him out for it. I'll tell you off the air. Oh, no. Uh-uh. On the air, Kiffin. Kiffin talk. We're going to get it. We're going to get it from Lee. Uh, we'll talk some fishing rodeo next here at 630. Stay with us. The opening kickoff continues. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, some time for it's time for that uh, fried deliciousness. Uh, you guys get a shot at some Chick Fil A here. Uh, the number, of course, six nine four one zero five five. Another, uh, we're com- comp- compounding interest here, Lee. Yeah. Uh, I'm due. I was due two, you then were. you didn't, so that's three. Now I get four. Well, you're another I, day late. You're right, and I and I was going to bring you some, but then I decided I'll just bring you a piece of carrot cake, and we could make amends. Oh, Is well, that all right? You, you you know the quickest way to my heart is carrot cake. That's right. right. Health, health, health reasons. All right. Very easy question. At least I think it is. All right. We had SEC media days during the course. Of the four days of interviews, and we had both of the uh, individuals on with us, there were two local players that were brought to Nashville to talk to the media. Uh, One played at Davidson, one played at Spanish Fort. I want you to name those two. You call our friend Nathan, Double Duty Nathan, and he'll take your call at 694-1055. Identify the two local players from this area that were interviewed this week at SEC Media Days. Man, that that's okay? the second two-parter you got this week for Well, folks. I think a double duty, two parts, things All like right. that. Are we ready to go to the fishing rodeo? We are. All right, Sean Powers, he's the uh, the judge. He's going to be all dressed up in his judge gear uh, with the gavel and everything at the fishing rodeo. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Just getting excited. The scale's open at 10 a.m. Hey, did the uh, cannon wake you up this morning? Uh, no, I'm a little uh, a few more blocks away on Dolphin Island, so I got a good good night's sleep. Piece of advice to those coming down to fish. What's your advice? Uh, my advice is uh, it's going to be hot. Be patient. Uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, there is lots to see on the on the rodeo grounds. Uh, some really cool fish come in. Uh, and some really big fish. So, you know, just enjoy yourself, but uh, try to stay cool. Got any advice for those who want to cheat? <laughs> Don't, is my, is my advice. Uh, uh, the, rodeo judges, the rodeo judges are all pretty good professional scientists, so, so we know what fish are supposed to weigh. And everything is based on the weight. The one category is, uh, you know, length, when you get in that slot size, making sure they're in the slot size. And, yeah, a few people have tried some shenanigans, but, you know, we're, we're pretty confident. We, we know what real fish look like uh, and what their tails look like and what they should weigh. So, uh, yeah. Your favorite? I, I'm confident we, we'll catch any shenanigans. Your favorite category? 
My favorite category is the most unusual. That's the one where people just in the normal fishing, usually from the deep water areas they're fishing, they just bring in some crazy exotic stuff. We had batfish, frogfish, uh, you know, you, you name it, things that we don't usually see. Uh, and sometimes I even have to call Dr. Bob to figure out what, what some what a species is. Dr. Bob being Dr. Bob Ship, who was once the uh, judge. So I got a, uh, just a couple more questions for you. As far as, you know, Shark Week starts, I think, right this week on Discovery? Indeed it does. Do you have shark categories this week? We do. We have a uh, shark category. We've done it a little different this year. Uh, I think we've separated bull. It's in the shark category, but we want uh, bull and tiger, and, and, and they're separate. For, for as far as uh, rankings and things like that. So if there is a record to be broken, and we'll get back to you Monday on this, if there's any, let's say one record that you think could be broken, what category? Yeah, it, it's always hard, hard to predict. Uh, yeah, I would think probably it might be shark, uh, just because we're, we're seeing larger and larger sharks come back, uh, rebound from years of uh, overfishing, and they're coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a big tiger that breaks our record. Could they bring in, besides a bull or a tiger, a different type of shark? No, no, that's the only sharks uh, that we're having. And they have to, I, I can't recall, there's a minimum on each of those. Uh, that they need to look in the rule book. So we won't weigh it unless it meets that minimum size and if it's one of those two species. And anglers should be very careful with identification of sharks. Everything looks like a bull shark to a lot of anglers, uh, but th there's guides that allow you to identify them. So we don't want any sandbar sharks. A lot of people confuse sandbar sharks. That's a protected species still. Uh, so if they're shark fishing, just be really sure of the IDs. Obviously, a tiger shark has stripes. It's fairly easy, but most people confuse some other species for bull shark. Sean Power, he's the judge. Would you go down to one of those iron cages to look for sharks? I would. I would have no problem about that, but we usually do it by hook and line. We run monthly surveys for sharks, and we do bottom long lines. So it's, uh, it's, it's entertaining, but a lot less adrenaline than going down in a cage. Uh, Sean, before we let you go, i got to ask, if we do find a, uh unusual fish that we don't have a name for, may I, no may I nominate the name the Shervanian? We will definitely. If we find a new species this rodeo, we will definitely name it the Shervanian. I mean, if it's kind of small and annoying and... and, 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 and <laughs> Older. Let's El just name elderly, it the Shervanian. Elder. Can you tell how old experience. they are? Experience. Can you can you tell if a fish is yeah. quote unquote experienced? We can. We can remove their ear stones, and we can tell you how long a fish lives. Oh, and, any. And I'm at that age now where I'm about the age of a maximum red snapper, 50 years. So. <laughs> Sean, enjoy the week. Um, don't forget that it's going to be hot there. Bring your suntan lotion. All right. We don't want to see you get a burn. All right. Well. All right. Have fun, everybody. Hey, Bye. you bet.
All right. I want to thank our sponsors this week for uh, SEC Media Days, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, Rich's Car Wash, and Dixie Supply. So you asked me about um, Kane. I don't have a problem with him actually saying what he did yesterday because, you know, it was kind of boring, a lot of these opening statements. So at least there was some pizzazz. I didn't expect him to do it. Some say Shane Beamer was best yesterday. Others say Lane was because of the rant he went on. That's okay. I don't mind that. But, you know, going back in his career, and I think he's matured a lot, but I think he was very lucky. He was kind of like one of those very few coaches, Mark, that was kind of born with a silver spoon in his mouth, you know, with his dad, Monty, being a um, longtime coach. So he had advantages others didn't. I I don't think he started from the bottom. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think he started like, you know, grad assistant, intern, stuff like that. It seemed like before you blinked, he was the head coach of the Raiders. Then he moved on to the college ranks and so forth, and he was very – basically very immature as a coach he'd be I think he'd even agree to that that he's matured quite a bit but you know he's had his ups and downs and you know more more power to him hope he has a decent season we'll we'll talk to Brent Northworthy of the Ole Miss Radio Network about him but no I I'm being realistic I don't have a problem with him coming out and saying what he did and and because all coaches feel that way anyway or most of them do um we talked about it off the air uh Saturday down south did a uh, post uh, for the longest opening statement, which I thought was perfect for this year because we talked about Eli Drinkowitz at Missouri uh, admitting to basically filibustering, right? And then we had um, Kirby Smart come out and take a jab at Eli for filibustering. And then, to your point, Shane Beamer came out and talked about how his kids warned him last year he was the second longest, and dude, he, he said for weeks they've been like, you, you, you got to cut it down. Well, this year's results are out, and there's a ranking of all four, or I mean all 14, and ironically or not, the, uh, the, the winner for the longest, based on word count, was Kirby Smart, the guy that was making fun of the guy for going long, and he, was, he won by a mile. Yeah, but here's the deal. I don't mind a coach taking a lot of words if he's saying something right right and and kirby was good now i don't know where billy napier uh figured but billy napier wasted so much time uh off the off the cuff with praising every coach in the florida gator system he finished sixth he did yeah but again a lot of that was waste in my opinion drinkowitz of course by naming every position and backups and everything really wasted everybody's time now well, smart i don't remember with was there any content any any crux to any substance to what he said yeah he hit a lot of things remember he talked about obviously um these guys going in on um the new new zealand team the rugby team the all blacks he talked about that he talked about um complacency and um I, I thought I thought Kirby was I thought Kirby was good, but interestingly enough, so Beamer's kids were mad at him because he was the second longest. He was second longest again, even with the warning. He was the second longest opening statement. Drinkowitz, who was trying to be long, was third. Interestingly enough, Saban four, Fisher five. Where did um, where did Freeze wind up? Uh, Freeze was second to last or second shortest. Brian Kelly was the uh, most efficient with 650 words, and Hugh Freeze was only 15 words behind him. Now, dude, I don't know who went back and counted those words. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Who has, who has the time? Well, there's transcripts, so my guess is they, they copied and pasted the transcripts into a Word document and hit Word count. But, like, if they go, uh, or you know, or anything, does that count? Technically, it should. 
whether or not the transcript actually got that. You know what? I was having this conversation. I'm not going to name players. I don't want to embarrass them, but some of my— Why people, not? Because I don't want to. Oh. The, um, that's not my style. But the um, conversation was, you know, that I had yesterday with a friend of mine was, oh, this guy was terrible as a speaker and all that. I said to him, back when, in, I guess it was 85, the first one, where I covered the first couple, well, I covered almost every one of them except lately. They, the media, the pe people I was with used to count the you knows mm -hmm. because there was a school that sent players up there. It was a disaster. They were just, every other word was you know, you know. Now, obviously, a lot of these players, most of them have been schooled and, and well-versed, and they talk pretty much better. But I think there was a few there this week that fell into that trap, you that know, pit. You know what I've learned? The, you can tell some of the ones that have been trained but aren't um, as experienced as others or the ones that repeat the question when you ask them. So when if you ask them, so um, what's your favorite memory of last year? My favorite memory of last year is, you know what I mean? Those are the guys that have gotten some training but are just still kind of a little wet behind the ears. Can you can you talk about your your good friend, Lee Sheranian? Oh, Lee Sheranian is a great friend of mine. Yeah, I, I know. I I I just said that, right? So I, I'm not I'm not I'm not being critical of them. I'm just saying, as you wa listen to these guys and as you see them evolve in front of the camera, that's kind of always the first step. My other question is, where do some of these players get the dress up that they get? Is that does the university give that to them? Do they pay for some of those clothes? They look pretty expensive to me. My first reaction would be nil. I, I nil. My, I think most of them. How about I don't think the university. How about the story of the old Miss running back driving that vehicle from one of Nick Saban's Mercedes-Benz Birmingham store, uh, Birmingham uh, venue? Yeah. But the Mercedes, is it a Lamborghini? He, oh, oh, I got a story. Go ahead. You finish that question. I have another one. Oh, my God. What just happened? I, I just, something came to my mind. Did you see the story out in California? <laughs> Jordan Addison. <laughs> I... Uh and this right here is what it's like to do radio with Lee, right. folks. Yeah, you got to stay on top of things. You got. There was a. Uh, I'm not going to say this was what surprised me. There was a uh, football player, at Jordan Addison, was stopped for speeding. He was something like 85 miles an hour over the limit. I think it was 55, and he was going like 140 the other day. He was cited for speeding and reckless driving, but he wasn't arrested. That's what caught my attention. He was not arrested. Normally in cases like that, there is an arrest. And 140 miles, and I'm thinking, what kind of a vehicle goes that fast unless you're in a NASCAR? It was a Lamborghini. Was that's Lamborghini? where you thought – that's where you had okay. Lamborghini in your All head. Right. Lamborghini, he was doing a buck 40, and he was doing 80 miles an hour over the speed limit, or 80 or 85 miles an hour over the speed limit. Now, isn't there a certain threshold that once you go over a certain – you automatically get arrested. I thought there was a. I thought there was a law. I think Nathan is is doing a little research on that, but uh, I'm pretty sure there is. But dude was fine, and he's taking a lot of heat right now because of what recently happened at Georgia. What happened with Henry Ruggs? Uh, people are pointing out that uh, you know you have, there's coaches and parents and and, and some symposiums for NFL players. And can you imagine going? I can't even imagine going 140 miles an hour. To, to, I mean, I could. I guess I could see it if you have a Lamborghini. The 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 uh, pull to see how fast a car like that can move. 
But, but so they didn't even arrest him, though. No, I don't understand. Yeah, Vikings number one draft pick, Jordan Addison, wide receiver. Not Dude arrested. was flying. 140. It was like 3 a.m. in the morning. I can't even imagine what it's like going that fast. I'm going to say this. From everything Please I've do. read, he's lucky to be alive. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, by the way, you were talking about uh, Quinn. To get back to the other statement, yeah, the you, other statement. when you were having your moment there, uh, <laughs> Quinn saw uh, Judkins, the um, Ole Miss running back, who's a Montgomery area native, by the way, purchased a Mercedes from Nick Saban's dealership and when doing so spoke with Saban's son, who's the assistant GM or sales manager at Mercedes-Benz. Um, so, yeah, things are going well for now, does he have to? I'm, I'm a lot of times they, they get these cars, but when they leave, they have to give them back, right? This is just kind of like a rental, NIL rental. They don't just give it to them for life, right? I don't think so. I thought when they're NIL, I don't know the details. Of course, I don't have a contract. No, he it. just he went in and bought a car. Oh, he paid for it? Yeah. Or they gave it to him? No, that he paid for it. Wow. How much are they? A Mercedes? Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a what number. Are they? Huh? You think they're under 100,000? Yeah, you can get a Mercedes for under a hundred. I mean, it depends. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of various models. We once priced them, but that was years ago. It was a long, long time ago. We once priced Mercedes just for the heck of it. Um, you can get. Uh, I mean, I don't know what the cheapest is. I'm not really in the market for one, but you can get one a new one for like forty eight or fifty. Yeah, we were we were in the price range of the fifty five sixties. I think when we checked them out. Someone in the app said 132 was my fastest. Where were you going 132? And seriously, we should get you on the phone because I'm curious. I would just fear for lack of control. Like, oh, like just the simplest like motion of the steering wheel will flip my car. And not only that, 3 a.m. in the morning, chance of maybe falling asleep. Yeah. Someone said he's hit 125. It was intense. All right. So I got some speed demons in here. All right, we need to take a break. Have not gotten an answer to your Chick-fil-A. You want to give it a One more time, break? otherwise, I'll give this one to Nathan. All right. Name. Oh, can, can you hear that? Just so out of touch. Um, hey, let's talk Lamborghinis and, and BMWs and Mercedes. Got, <laughs> that reminds me. You got your breakfast. All right, the uh, two local players that made the rounds up at uh, SEC Media Days. We had one from Spanish Fort, and he plays for Missouri. The other was Davidson. He plays for Ole Miss. Name the two. We had him on the show this week. Call Nathan, 694-1055, and bother him. All right, short segment. When we come back, you'll hear a little Lane Kiffin, I think. I don't know. We went long. It's the opening kickoff, wrapping up hour number one next. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. He, through spring ball and just your conversations with him, how's that all gone? Uh, he's pretty funny. Uh, you, might not, you might not expect that, but he's actually pretty funny. Uh, very de- detailed in particular about our scheme, but um, he never gets a twist at the end of the day. It's about playing football, playing hard, fast, and physical. Get some injuries last. There you go. Welcome back in. That's Cedric Johnson on uh, Pete Golding, the uh, Ole Miss defensive coordinator, former Alabama guy. Uh, congratulations to uh, Ryan. He's the winner of our Chick Fil A. And one of the two you just heard from, Cedric Johnson. Craziness. Yeah, one, that was one. It's almost like it was planned. Chris Abrams drained the other one. Mind so blown. Congratulations. You get your Chick Fil A. Uh, Nathan, 
loses out. Sorry. And I, I get four. Um, yeah. You want to introduce your your love buddy now? You've always you're been a Lane Kiffin. To, you're, you're not supposed to say anything, Lee. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. I thought I'd give you the chance to introduce your Lee new best is so friend. anti-Lane. He can't. He can't. He he he, he refuses Mark. to recognize that he won the day yesterday. Mark. It's all anybody's talking about. No one's talking about Shane Beamer. Stay in your I lane. I don't like Lane. He's immature. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Um. Oh, I see what you did there. Clever. All right. We got some audio from Lane. Take a listen. Uh, from yesterday at SEC Media Days. You obviously have a pretty documented relationship with Nick Saban. I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit and just talk about how much he's met in your coaching career. Well, I'm extremely grateful to Coach Saban and our time together, and most importantly, him giving me an opportunity to, to learn from him. And, um, I mean, he's the best to ever do it. I've said it before. I really do believe he is the best coach to ever do it because – you guys know when you're, I kind of, I take in all the information and look at it instead of just like, okay, a record. He's done it in a time of scholarship limitations where some of those older coaches didn't have them and they could, I mean, what, what if Nick Saban didn't have an 85 rule? What would his roster look like if he had 150 scholarships to give? And also he's done what I don't think anybody did over time of do it continually with so much staff turnover, you know, so many so many people are hired off of his staff. Other places are to be head coaches. And, you know, it's kind of like, man, all these first-round picks, and he loses these coordinators. Like, you know, that's why we have fine moms, so he can motivate him every other year and say, oh, his dynasty's over, and, and you know, this is the end of Saban. And then we're like, hey, thanks a lot for pissing him off. <laughs> um, and Paul's always wrong on this subject, so. Um, and he just did it again the other day, you know. If he doesn't make the playoffs, you know, you know, he's not any good as a coach. So thanks, thanks, Paul. You know, one thing too, when uh, listening to Kiffin talk about Saban, this championships are nice. I mean, that, they look good on the resume. But how many coaching jobs has he resuscitated? Coaches that were down and out, he brought them to life on the staff. I mean, it's a who's who, and you know, for that too, that's quite a legacy, Mark. All right, so the guy that's always wrong, according to Lane Kiffin, Paul Feinbaum. Boy, he's next. Will join us next. Right here on the sports. It's almost like we planned it. I mean, it's craziness how things kind of flow when Triple G's not here. <laughs> Coincidence? Ah! By the way, Bronner with the hard-hitting question there. So, Lane, apparently you guys had a relationship. Can you expound on that? Welcome to 2018. Nah, he did a good job. Those guys, we appreciate it. Fine Bomb's next. The opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. That's why we have fine moms, so he can motivate him every other year and say, oh, his dynasty's over, and, and you know, this is the end of Saban. And then we're like, hey, thanks a lot for pissing him off. <laughs> 
There you go. 704, welcome in. The opening kickoff continues with hour number two. And as you would expect, our, our next guest is Paul Feinbaum. He's coming on right now, thanks to Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply and Greer's Market. That was the uh, former quarterback at Fresno State <laughs> who took the uh, podium yesterday for Ole Miss Lane Kiffin. Paul, I appreciate you coming on. I know you're pretty well exhausted with all the reporting you did during the week, and I caught a lot of it. Uh, congratulations on what you did, and good morning. Thank you, guys. Uh, good morning. And uh, it was, Yeah, it was a... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't the most memorable media days, but Lane Kiffin certainly uh, managed to give people a little bit to chew on yesterday. Yeah, well, why don't you chew back on him as far as that comment he made and what you thought about his little opening? Well, again, but I didn't hear exactly what you played there. Was that was that the Saban or was that the NIL? Saban. That, that was the Saban cut. Yeah, um, Mark, I can't. I can't remember how many times Lane Kiffin has done this rant. Uh, I mean, that's that's my only issue with it. It's it's like, you know, he's playing the greatest hits. Uh, come up with a new song, Lane. Uh, you did that when I was in uh, Oxford last year for the Bama game. And, and and what I find humorous about it is 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 that it's so disingenuous. I mean, I, this is the same guy, if I remember, Lee who got fired by Nick Saban a week before a national championship game. <laughs> Lane Kiffin wants to act like he's uh, Nick Saban's favorite child, and uh, we all know he's not. And and it's, it's, it's good copy, yeah. Uh, certainly I got a little bit of attention this week by answering a question. It's not like I walked in with a speech and went after Nick Saban. I think we answered a question in relation to you know, where, where he stands right now or where he would stand, and, and Lane seized on it. I mean, he had two messages yesterday, one from the main stage, and that was about NIL, which was completely uh, absurd. And, and the second one was about me, which wasn't absurd. It was just funny and uh, a, a retread of something he'd already said, but that's okay. I mean, it's not like, it's not like anybody else in media they didn't bring the same material they've been saying. Coach that, let's say, raised the platform this week, that stole the show, and maybe some of the coaches that you wish had stayed home. really don't like the coach I'm speaking generically here who just walks in there and filibusters and that was uh, a couple of guys did that Drinkwitz did that other coaches did that I found Josh Heifel to be very likable uh, he you know, he just doesn't care that much for the coach speak uh, Brian Kelly doesn't either uh, Kirby of course uh, you know he's, he's a son of Saban so to speak so he he, he knows where not to go uh, I mean Saban was you know, quite frankly, pretty dull. Uh, and, you know, what do we remember about Nick Saban's appearance uh, that he likes carrot cake? I mean, I mean that, that's so benign that, it, that, it, that it's really you know, laughable. And I don't mean that personally. I'm just saying uh, coaches have now gotten to the point, Mark and Lee, where they just don't want to deal with the hullabaloo. I was talking to one of them off the air this week, and he said, yeah, we, we work on this. We Our, our messaging is, we either have a specific message that we're trying to make about uh, about the offseason or we're trying to avoid hot-button issues. Yeah, I, I, we talked about it on the air. Chris Stewart joined us this week, and he, he, he explained to us that they had a chance to talk with Saban at one point uh, in previous SEC media days. And I thought it was interesting because he kind of revealed that the goal really is to get up there and say something, to make sure you don't say anything that, that goes viral. So – 
Um, I think, and we've said this before, with the region's pro-am in the spring and the SEC spring meetings, there's just not a, a lot of meat left on the bone when you get to SEC media days as far as news because we've heard it all. So you couple that with the, the idea that a lot of these guys uh, not named Kiffin don't want to go viral. There's just not a whole lot there. Mark, 100%. And, and there's, all, there's so many other media opportunities. I mean, schools now don't have to go to media days. They can do a video. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. And, I mean, I, I, I know every time we talk about the past, it sounds like, oh, man, here these guys go again. But, that, I mean, 30, 40 years ago when this all really kicked in, this was the first time we, we – I mean, we, we had, the only thing we knew was what we saw in our uh, Lindy's magazine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we didn't have shows like yours. And, and, and there's just nothing really uh, – I mean, what I, what I, I, got a kick, I got a kick out of – some of the players I, I talked to, I didn't get a chance to talk to everyone because when we're on in the afternoon, we, we, we get whatever hasn't already happened. So yesterday I talked to Joe Milton. I talked to uh, Will Rogers the day before, somebody else. And, I mean, I think it's fun for the players, but the coaches just don't want to go. I mean, they literally could zoom it in. It's, you know, you, there's about – for those uh, who don't understand this thing, and that would be everybody listening, including me, there are about ten different rooms – you know, we always talk about the big room. That's the room that you see on the SEC network. That's where the the what used to be print reporters hang out. Uh, that's where you're probably going to deliver your biggest message. Interestingly, Kiffin, uh, when he took the shot at me, and Mark told me this yesterday, actually answered a question from one of your people uh, about about Saban, and that's I mean, that was pro- I really I mean I'm not saying it because it was me, but that was a that was an interesting situation. But that never came up in the big room. One other thing, this is really inside baseball, but. You hear all these questions like, well, what do you think about specific player questions, specific position questions? Which, what that means is you have reporters in there who are doing stories, and this is their only shot at a Nick Saban or a Lane Kiffin all year. And so, that, so they're asking, uh, you know, they're asking yeah. a question so they can, they can fill it into their story. It, 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 I don't want to say it's a waste of time. It's basically a four-day uh, – rocket flare hey college football season's around the corner paul i no better example of and i'm with you on this i i thought the coaches really went the extra mile to avoid any kind of issues because remember what happened with Drinkwitz down there at sandestin and yeah. that comment about his son-in-law or whatever and then he comes yeah. to media days and talks for 12 minutes about his roster a la johnny majors no better example i mean the the dichotomy of Sandestin being so different than Nashville. And, and I want to, if I could talk about myself for a second, um, I don't know, you know, what were the most ridiculous comments of the week. I'm sure what I, what I, what I perceive, what I've said about Saban on Monday will, will be in contention. What happened was I literally got off a plane. Uh, they whisked me over to the hotel. I didn't even I hadn't even checked in yet. I, they, they they brought me out. I was on first take, and the first question was, if Saban doesn't make the playoffs this year, you know, how does that affect? Do you, do you do you agree that would affect his legacy? And I said I think it would. I mean, it was, and then I went on to explain. But the only thing that anybody got out of that was Feinbaum said, yeah, uh, Saban takes hit. First take uh, tweeted out. And, and by the way, by the end of the week, there's, I could explain it a million times, and it wouldn't make any difference. I was also asked a question, Mark, after that. <laughs> legitimately, this is a question, okay? Do I think Saban will be on the hot seat if he doesn't make the playoffs? <laughs> and, I, and, I, 
and I literally went all in on how great he is, and, and right. but I, it doesn't matter. Uh, but and that's what Kiffin was referring to. So I mean, I, I ended up probably saying arguably the most controversial thing of the week, uh, and and I didn't even mean to. Uh, but it's not the context. Uh, I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday uh, that I worked for. And it was about something I had said, and and he said, well, yeah, he said, yeah, you know, some people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I said, well, did you read the, did you hear it? And he said, well, yeah, I read the whole transcript. It, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So that's why these coaches do not want to say anything because you've got a thousand media members uh, who are going to tweet it out. And and if I could speak about the ho- the co-host of this show, Mark Heim is waiting like a hungry wolf. <laughs> Uh, to spit it out to the world. Ow! No, I'll, but but you're absolutely right, and that's why people don't say anything because uh, print media, and I include uh, even places like AL.com. I include that as print. It's it's about sound bites now, and and and, and I've probably been guilty uh, of this in the past, Paul, where you don't really grasp the whole con- uh, context of what the quote was or what the conversation was, and you, you take the best part, you stick it in a headline, it, it, it gets page views, and a lot of people get uh, blamed for throwing clickbait out there because there's not that full context in the story, and it puts guys in situations like you were in this week. Uh, and I, I appreciate your effort with Drinkwitz on your set because he wasn't going to say anything, and you tried to get him to say something, and he really wanted to, but he, he's learned his lesson. And the the backstory on that is this. What I asked him, he had already said to me privately, uh, not not here, but uh, a couple of months ago or a year or two ago in another state. I, I knew how he felt. He knew I knew how he felt. Yeah. And he wanted to go, and he, he stopped himself because he just said, you know what, I don't need to spend three days trying to clean this up. That was right. what he was internally saying. That, none of that really matters. And what I found out is that none of this really matters. Uh, I mean, I, I was upset for a second about what I said about Nick Saban because I know that stuff gets back to people, and then I, there's no way to explain it. I mean, if Nick Saban called me this morning and said, why would you say it? And I, my first reaction was, well, Coach, I really didn't say it. And he's going to say, well, I read it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So anybody who, who, who wants to give an opinion is going to take that risk. And, and by the way, we're criticizing coaches, guys. Let me criticize the media. I, I interviewed a 1,000 people this week. I didn't hear very many people there saying anything either. Yeah. Paul, let me ask you something. I, of, of the many interviews that I watched you, I thought yesterday's interview with Sankey may have been one of the best. He had his hair down. He was very relaxed, and maybe he was just exhausted. But I want to ask you, on the air or off the air, and I didn't catch the whole interview, did he say anything about this new bill that's being proposed? Because in the past, none of the bills have ever gone through, and now they got a new one for NIL. Did, did he mention anything on that or about the, the possibility uh, of it? He, he alluded to it very very quickly and uh, we didn't go into much detail but the part you're talking about you guys i'm gonna have to run out of here in about three minutes i'm uh, they're, they're calling me from espn right. but let me finish this thought um uh he the bill that uh he, he talked about mental mental health and mental, mental awareness and i think it was a little bit of exhaustion but I've never seen uh, Greg Sankey more real. I mean, he was essentially admitting, hey, listen, we all go through, we all have issues, and the pressure of these jobs weighs on us. 
And I mean, he was just, I mean, I, I'm, you could interpret it any way you want, but he, he bared his soul. And I think a lot of people who are going through similar things, and at the moment, so was I, because, and I don't want to say, it's not so much the exhaustion, uh, Lee, of the week. It's the fact that we spend four days inside and never get outside. It, it's like being in a submarine. Uh, it, it wears you out. And apparently my dog is really happy to see me. I wish you would go somewhere else right now. Go, go outside. Go. Is that ESPN go. calling you, that barking? Uh, no, that's the, that's the dog. Oh, I know what it is. Hold on. Wait, wait a second. Wait one second, okay? It's a guy in my backyard. That's what this the is, dog's actually is, doing his job. This is good radio. <laughs> hey, Paul, look, radio. hey, we, we know you need to run. Uh, let me ask quick, not fair, but a quick one-word answer. Despite everything we just said about Lane, was he wrong about NIL and the transfer portal and the combo problems it's created? Uh, he's not completely wrong, but it's the way he did it, I think, was, was did college football a disservice. Fair enough. Hey, uh, we appreciate the time, man. Go ahead. Uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll be in touch. Thanks for everything. Thank you, guys. Yep. Paul Feinbaum proving that he's no different than the rest of us. He's got bosses calling, dogs calling. You'd think somebody of such stature would, would have somebody handling that thing. Pause. Dog, I meant. Dog. All right, we got to take a break here. Scoreboard traffic and weather. We'll catch up with uh, Alec Naiman next. Uh, and you'll hear some of the Greg Sankey interview, uh, or a lot of the Greg Sankey interview. Um, 12 minutes worth. Man. I believe that was done by our Fantastic Four, I think. Don't know for sure. They definitely edited it together. Whether or not they actually did it, who knows, but... All right, we got plenty left here on a uh, Friday edition. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Man, we're going with a little different version of Buffett today. It must be a different type of Friday here on the sports station WNSP. Mark and Lee, our thanks to Paul Feinbaum for joining us. Um, you know, he's an acquired taste, that's for sure. There, there are those that that don't um, certainly uh, care for him, as, as you guys have mentioned in the app. But, you know, I tell you what, he's good theater. There's no question. And he brings an interesting perspective, too. You know... My point about Lane Kiffin is while it might be a tired act and it's coming from a place that's a little bit more self-serving, it doesn't necessarily mean he's wrong. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of that a little bit later. But now let's uh, let's talk uh, let's talk fishing, cul culinary delights. Yeah, let's talk fishing and culinary delights because it is Shark Week coming up on Discovery, and of course, sharks will be a Big topic of conversation down at the island where they expect over 70,000 three days of the deep sea fishing rodeo. Well, let's welcome Alec Naiman from Naiman's Catering. Alec, good morning. How are you today? 
Hey, I'm doing great, guys, and you're right. Everybody down there fishing. How about that? Isn't that something? I have oh, a question. Goodness. Do you have you ever cooked shark? Are you into that? Is it a, a tasty I have, fish? I have, yeah. I've, I've cooked shark. Hey, listen, it's a nice piece of steak. Okay, it's real firm piece of meat. You know, and I call it a piece of meat. You know, it's dense like a piece of meat. But oh yeah, I do some nice shark uh, grilling and and uh, stuff like that. So it's it's pretty good. It it eats okay. It's kind of fishy, but it ain't too bad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> What's your favorite fish? What's your favorite fish fish to cook? I, eat, I, would, I would have to say either halibut or grouper. Uh, I love some halibut and I love some grouper. One I can catch here, and the other one I got to go to the West Coast to catch. You know, so but, um, you know, hey, you got the Nappy Awards going on tonight too. Got a lot of nice winners, and congratulations to everybody. And certainly, I want to thank. You know, our community and public for voting us, we did uh, we did win the best caterer, which is an honor for us, of course, you know. But, uh, man, you know, listen, if you're going to go to the beach, even if you're going to get stuck down at the deep sea fishing rodeo, you ought to swing by and pick up some chicken salad or some of our quick, uh, quick fix stuff and take it to the beach, which you make life easy for you because we like that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, if you're going to have a party, people are already booking Christmas parties with us because dates, dates get taken up pretty fast. So a lot of our folks are already booking Christmas for us. If you're going to get married, of course, we like to do weddings. So just call us at 473-3900. Look us up on the web at namenscatering.com and give us a like on Facebook. You know, weather's going to be great today, a little rainy maybe the rest of the weekend. But, man, that makes for some good fishing, if you ask me. So y'all have a great time this weekend. Be safe out there, and uh, let's enjoy the, the weather while we've got it. <laughs> Thank you, Alec, and congratulations, man. We appreciate everything, and uh, enjoy the night. Same to you guys, man. Y'all have a great one. All right, coming up next, uh, I think Corey Labounty, uh I had a chance to sit down with uh, Greg Sankey. You will hear that interview next. Um, we'll also get some uh, information from Brett Northworthy in hour number three about Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Uh, but up next, uh, WNSP own, WNSP's own Corey Labounty and the commissioner one-on-one. Stay with us. coming into the league now which school has the real claim to being able to call itself UT there's only one real UT one right shade of orange burn 732 that's uh that's Josh Heifel um with a, with a pretty good one there I'm sure got a lot of traction in those areas uh, again thanks to all our sponsors this week some of them Cart Doctor Keesler Federal Credit Union Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm McConnell Automotive and New Century Tires and Wheels. We're ready to hear from the commission. Let's hear from uh, Commissioner Greg Sankey. Here with the SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey joining us. Commissioner Sankey, thank you for joining me on the final drive. How have things been for you so far this week? Uh, it stays busy. Uh, I go from, as you just saw, 
interview to interview, conversation to conversation, introduce coaches, visit with print media, electronic media, uh, our television partners. So uh, I'm still in good shape. I'm not sure that I could make a day five, though. My mentor, Lee Shervanian at WNSP 105.5, is a Syracuse graduate, and he always speaks so highly of you. But when you look at the growth of this conference here with the expansion of Oklahoma and Texas, I know this year you're dealing with just the final year of divisionless football. How exciting is it for you to see the transformation of the conference? I was privileged to have an opportunity back in 2002 to join the staff. Uh, I can remember thinking uh, in, in moments before I, I moved to Birmingham and was part of the SEC staff, I'd taken the job, like, well, I'm going to be a part of that. And uh, it was big then, and, and our job is to create opportunities, moments, events, uh, provide support so that we can continue to grow the interest in the conference, which I, I think we've done. And uh, we've had two expansions in just a little over a decade. Uh, all four of those universities have come to us and said we want to be part of something really special and that's the Southeastern Conference and we, we've accomplished great things this past year. I'm looking forward to this this final year as 14 members and our, our future is incredibly bright uh, all across our university campuses but as a, for the conference as a whole. Commissioner Greg Sankey joining us here on the final drive. Commissioner I know in the past you used to love marathons and being the commissioner you can kind of look at it not as being a sprint but a marathon and I know that that's part of the growth of this conference. Back in 2009 I ran a marathon a month for a year and I began in Mobile. The first marathon of that experience was in January of 2009 in Mobile and a, a, just a, a really great memory and you know the marathon experience is one that's a, a, a mental and a physical challenge. Uh, the mental challenge is the ability to continue to push through things to deal with uh, maybe the unexpected. And in that Mobile Marathon, I had a pain in my foot, my right foot I'd never experienced. You know, you had to adjust, stop, retie my shoe. There's a metaphor in, in there for how one has to lead in a dynamic environment. Um, I miss those marathoning days. I just don't have time to train. I'm not sure. My, there's one more in my mind. I'm not sure the body's ready. Uh, but great memories, and, and each of them in their own way, great learning experience that informed uh, a bit of my work on a day-to-day -day basis. You mentioned changing in and how you had to deal with adversity with your own body. I, I know that COVID in 2020 was the ultimate changing experience for the world, and especially with sports, that was the biggest outlet that people were really looking to, and you were at the forefront of making sure there was a format in place, or you formulated not only to to have college football, but people really followed your lead in regards to that across the country. Well, the reality is the, the metaphor around a marathon is very applicable to the COVID experience. I think the one difference is in a marathon, you know, at 26.2 miles, there is a finish line. And in COVID, at times, it seemed there was going to be no finish line. Yet, whether running a marathon or, or trying to deal with that kind of crisis, you're looking at the next milestone. What's the next mile marker, literally? And can I get to the next moment? And what do I have to do to advance from here to there? And, and we spent spring, summer, and one, even once we started playing in the fall, it was moment by moment, uh, week by week, because it was a continual um, set of surprises. Uh, we had great commitment from our universities to, to work to play. Our student athletes in football were ones very vocal about wanting the opportunity. Uh, the work of our staff to figure out testing, communication, how we learn things, rescheduling, 
Uh, I would like to not ever go through that experience again, uh, but it's one that you, you, you learn a lot when you're walking through um, an endeavor in such an undefined reality. The type of success that this conference had this past calendar year in, in your big-time revenue-generating sports, I, I think it's really, to me, almost unprecedented. And you sitting at the forefront watching all these fantastic student-athletes and fantastic coaches, it just means more with a lot of exclamation points behind it when you look at the national championships, the pinnacle of an NCAA career. We won eight team national championships. And we finished second in what outdoor uh, women's track and field gymnastics. Um, we, were, we were close uh, on the women's golf side. Um, there's there's a breadth of support and a level of commitment to high achievement here that it's inherent in our all of our athletics departments and, and really is representative of our universities. And I, I've always wanted to figure out how we could, might get to double digits in national championships. We were close. When you actually look at the month of June, um, we had uh, the, the Florida men's track and field team win the outdoor national championship, LSU baseball. But then Texas won women's track and field, and Oklahoma won softball. So our 20, 24, 25 makeup. Um, actually won all four of the, the final set of national championships the NCAA sponsors. And, and that's the kind of excellent competition we'll see at a conference level every week and in our championships. And I think that will play into even more championship opportunities at the national level. The challenges that are presented to you as commissioner, what, what are some of the greatest challenges currently and moving forward for yourself? Uh, one that's top of mind is we're in an environment where states are enacting legislation that dictate how athletic departments will manage their programs. That's very different. We've had state laws guide and federal laws guide how we, we make decisions, whether it's in our daily life or in our, in our work. But with um, the state activity and name, image, and likeness, uh, we had a set of pretty healthy state laws. Uh, we learned after a period of time there's really no enforcement action. Now we have states that are pulling back from those laws, not only not enforcing their own laws, but then attempting to bar associations from uh, enforcing what would be reasonable policies. And so that's a challenge that's front of mind. That plays out in the, the, con the congressional conversation about the need for a national standard. We're engaged in dealing with litigation matters. Uh, that's been uh, a pretty common experience almost for the last 15 years in college sports. Uh, the onboarding of Oklahoma and Texas as we go to 16, the setting of schedules we saw in mid-June, the announcement of our football schedule for 2024. We need to consider our format for 25 and beyond, but we have 20 other sports that we have to work through. And we've done, most of those are, are already identified from a scheduling format standpoint. And um, th those uh, issues are in addition to the day job of simply administering the normal day-to-day -day competition that's present in the Southeastern Conference. What's the best part about your job? There's always challenges, there's always criticism, but the best part about your job that puts a smile on your face at times. This week is a reminder of what I've often said and answered that question, which is the people, and, and I have the opportunity to come to know people, um, our head coaches and student athletes, most, if not 99% of the country 
sees those people on TVs or from afar in a, in a football stadium. And I have the opportunity to interact, to share my perspective with them, uh, to learn from them in conversation. Some of those are tough moments, uh, but we've been able to maintain really strong and healthy working relationships. And to see, see coaches and see young people here walking around at media days is a reminder that that actually is the best part of the job. The growth of the brand, the SEC Network continues to pump out great content and highlighting the coaches and the student athletes and the championships. Talk about your, your I guess, your, your happiness or your overall thoughts about the SEC Network being a flagship that many other conferences would love to duplicate. In many ways, it's become kind of the background effect, if you will, in people's lives since it's been adopted. You know, you can turn on SEC this morning, watch you know, reruns, wait for Paul Feinbaum, watch live events in the evening. It's been a, just a, a resource that fills people's lives. Uh, but you know, that in many ways that's not enough. I think it's a tribute to the level of production um, that is, is presented, the way games are presented, uh, the broadcast crews. Uh, we just had a program last night featuring uh, the SEC Six Commissioner Roy Kramer, just an incredibly well-produced uh, program. We have a story on Brandon Burlesworth, a former offensive lineman at Arkansas. I previewed that. Just another job of wonderful storytelling. The, the show, really just a unique food, culture, music show called True South that's visited um, all over our region. Uh, that's not something that happens on other college conference networks. And we want to continue that in a, in, a, in a space where we're challenged in the cable universe to keep households connected. Providing that kind of high-level programming, high-level content is at the forefront of our thinking. Talk about the challenges of being a grandfather or the happiness of being a grandfather. And, you know, coaches are always taking notes and, and sharing data. What, what kind of advice have you received so far about being a grandfather? Well, Nick Saban and I were talking. He said, you better get in shape. He'd just been with his nine-year-old granddaughter. And he's like, with his full speed uh, all the time. Hugh Freeze just became a grandfather. So uh, he and I don't think the challenges. I think the one challenge presented to me months ago was, What's my what's my grandparent name? Like I I I, I didn't know I had to pick, um, so that's been a pressure point, and I've resisted uh, participating in that. Uh, actually, as we record uh, tomorrow, we we have FaceTimed with our our daughter, her husband, and their new baby, but we'll have the chance to travel up and spend a, a day with them. So that'll be uh, part of the reward. I go with Paul Paul. I'm Paul Paul in my household, so you know that's not too old. I mean, it, you know, it's P A P A, not P A W P A W. Paul Paul. I mean, have you have you thought about Paul Paul at all? I have resisted any thought. So it, when I've been asked, my wife asked me right after we found out our daughter was pregnant, and I was busy wrapping my mind around that reality, uh, not needing to think about my personal label. So my wife asked me what would be my grandfather name, and I said, well. Greg has worked for 58 years, so why don't we go with Greg? Um, most people I've told that story to thought it was funny. My wife is not at all entertained. And many have told me that the child will choose. So we'll see what happens uh, over the next few years. But it's, it's, it's been fun to, to watch. She's now nine days old, just eyes opening, alertness. Um, uh, you know, you see growth immediately. 
Congratulations, Coach, not only for Commissioner Sankey joining us this afternoon on your growth of your conference, but watching the growth of your grandbaby as well. Thank you so much for taking time with me here on the final drive and have a wonderful season, calendar year, because I know it never stops and recharge your batteries and let's have play some football. I look forward to it. Thank you. Great job by Corey bouncing around like he did. I, I did not know that Greg Sankey ran a marathon in Mobile. I know a lot about him, of course, having attended many of his press conferences. But I did hear him talk about being a, a grandfather on Paul's show yesterday. And, see, I, I ran into that little conflict he talked about. I wouldn't have minded my grandkids just calling me by my first name, but that didn't happen. What do they call you? One called me Poppy. Okay. Um, I'm trying to go back now because I haven't, I'm, I'm not sure because, you know, when you have two sets, you know, you, you, you refer to one grandparent as one and then the other. Um, but the one that stood out was Poppy. Poppy. All right. And you would prefer people call you Lee or your grandkids call you Lee. That never got to first base. Okay. Well, hey, now <laughs> that's not the party we're talking about here, but it, it just to just, uh, just to pile on, we will not. You will now be known on this show as Poppy Shervanian. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna not call you Lee. Poppy, not big Poppy. No, I'm like not David calling Ortiz. you. I'm not calling you Lee for the rest of the show. This is the last time I will use this word, Lee. You will for now for the rest of the show be known as Poppy. But you're you're not my grandchild. Thank Doesn't goodness. matter. Doesn't matter. Really? Although uh, we're, I fit the age group, right? What are you? 120? Um, you'd seven? be more and a half? more my son than you're about seven years mm. older than my son. How old you? I mean, what? Uh, what's your son's name? Ryan. We need to get him on. He's Ta not coming on. Talk about Poppy. Well, he would. He'd have to get my grandchild. So what not is my what son. is Miss Barbara called? Nana, in one group, and I don't remember if she's got. It's been a while since I've been around the grandkids because they're all spread out, so I, I can't remember. Do, does she want? Does she want them to call her Nana or? Yeah. Oh, no. She loves that. Nana. Oh, yeah. oh, so she's got things on Nana this, Nana that. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, she loves it. Poppy and Nana. She's a proud grandmother like most grandparents are. And and Greg, you know, re referencing that, you know, what are they going to call him? I, I, I thought that was cute to end up like that. All right. One final segment of hour number two. Uh, we'll hear a little bit from uh, Josh Heupel. Uh, in hour number three, Bill, I golf report uh, and Brett Norsworthy on um, Nick, Nick, well, not Nick Saban, but I'm sure that'll come up. Lane Kiffin and his comments yesterday at SEC Media Days. It's a Friday edition. I'm Mark Heim. That's Poppy Shervanian. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station. Stay with us. Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. So the only way to stop it is just to enforce rules and, and hold people accountable. And that's easier said than done. But, you know, until until someone is really hammered and held accountable, I'm talking about a program for tampering, um, it's uh, it's going to be hard to rein it back in. All right, 751. I believe that was uh, Shane Beamer 
uh, South Carolina coach. Welcome back in as we wrap up our number two of a Friday edition of the opening kickoff. Yeah, well, uh, this coverage of SEC Media Days all week long, our title sponsors, Pat's Industrial and Auto Supply, and my good friends at Greer's Markets and Cash Saver, they are celebrating their 107th anniversary. And to that, I want to welcome Jan Enfinger of Greer's Marketing Cash Saver. Jan, I can't thank you enough. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I am terrific, and thank you all so much for giving us all the great news that you do. It's a joy to hear from you. Well, it's a joy to have you on. Let me tell you, it's first time, hopefully not the uh, last time we have you on. So the anniversary, 107 years in business, remarkable. How does that benefit the public as far as any promotions going on or anything they could take advantage of? Oh, thank you for asking. Yes, 107 years. Right now, through the end of July to the 29th, we are registering to win um, $7,007 in cash in every store. We are also um, offering four district prizes, a choice of a sporting package, golf, fishing, football, um, or spa, should a lady win. And then we're also offering customers the opportunity to register to win free groceries and other prizes. We um, will have some stores that will be celebrating Customer Appreciation Day uh, on Saturday. Some of the stores have already um, completed theirs on the previous two Saturdays. And then also um, what we're doing for the public is offering a one-day sale um, for each of these anniversary um, Saturdays. So some super deals, a lot of fun, and we're just grateful for the support, you know, that we have received. You know, it's amazing to think about being a fourth-generation Greer, and we have fifth-generation um, family um, who are very active in the business now. So thank you. Did I answer your question? They tell me I'm always wordy. Uh, you didn't speak as long as Eli Drinkowitz did or Kirby Smart as far as most words. You did a great job with your statement, Jan. Let me tell you that. Thank you. It's great Thank having you. you on, and I wish you the best, and hopefully we'll be talking to you for the 108th anniversary next year. But we'll be in touch, as you know. Have a safe trip to work today, and have a great weekend. And, again, thank you so much, and I hope the public uh, was listening to take advantage of that, well, especially the, the money, the cash prizes. Yes, you all be sure and register to win. All right, dear. Well, take care, and have a great weekend. And uh Roll Todd. There you go. Okay, we know who she roots for. <laughs> All right, that's Jan Infinger right. from Greer's Marketing Cash Saver. Poppy got some game. Yep. The motion man over here. All right, here we go. Uh, Seven fifty-four. We have some. Uh, we have some audio from a Tennessee coach, Josh Heupel. Take a listen. Your offense, of course, is one of the most electric in the SEC. It's it's very difficult to game plan for. How much of that, in your opinion, is is game plan and scheme versus the actual players on the field? How much of our success is dictated on the the scheme of your offense versus you know personnel? Well, I tell you this: if uh, if you don't have players, you don't have dynamic players, and that can be up front, offensive line, quarterback, your skill guys. 
doesn't matter what you draw up. So at the end of the day, it comes down to the, the dudes. And you got to put them in a position to be the best versions of themselves and give them an opportunity to win. But uh, you better have players. T. Martin, the last national championship <coughs> quarterback for Tennessee, yeah. had to learn and grow behind Peyton Manning. Same thing with yourself, learning and growing Tennessee from year number one to year number three now. Talk about your own growth on the podium as well and just as a coach within your third year entering. Yeah, I think as, as a head coach, you become more efficient and effective and you know, your yearly calendar uh, to how you handle the situations that inevitably come up. Um, you know, all of those situations, you know, help you grow and you learn better ways to handle it. But I think as much as anything, you become a, a better, more effective uh, communicator. That's with your staff. It's with your players, uh, creating a, uh, a true culture of uh, connection. And, and uh, that's certainly something that we continue to build at Tennessee. How about that? Our guys uh, with Josh Heupel. Michael Bronner and uh, Corey Labani. By the way, you'll hear the final drive uh, later today. Uh, I think they're they're going to recap and highlight. It's going to be a, a best of show from the week. So uh, if you missed any of the great content that uh, that you heard earlier this week or didn't hear earlier this week, you'll have an opportunity to do that this afternoon. All right, coming up in hour number three, we'll do a Millite Golf Report right off the top. We'll get you uh, an update on the Open, and uh, we'll hear some audio from Shane Beamer. Brett Norsworthy, a very opinionated uh, uh, media personality uh, will, who covers Ole Miss, will join us at 8.30. And, um, of course, you'll have a chance to chime in at WNSP.com. Uh, if you missed the final tally, we were talking about opening statements. Whose opening statement went the longest? Well, it wasn't Eli Drinkowitz who tried to be long with his filibuster. Um, it was the guy who was teasing Eli Drinkowitz for going long. Kirby Smart had the longest opening statement per Saturday down south uh, based on word count. In fact, Drinkowitz wasn't even second. The guy that was second was the one that was ridiculed by his own kids for being second longest last year and warned him not to be long this year. Shane Beamer was second. Uh, Saban was fourth. Fisher, five. And then, of course, um, LSU coach uh, Brian Kelly was uh, the most efficient at 650 words. Hugh Freeze, 665. So what could happen next year is that Eli Drinkowitz, if he's still there at Missouri, may decide to go and talk about all 85 scholarship players. Yeah. That'll extend it. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, if you want to jump in, you can. We've talked a lot about – oh, so here's my point real quick about Lane Kiffin, too. We kind of got off the topic, and we'll get back to it. Whether you like Lane Kiffin or not – whether you think his comments are self-serving or not when it comes to the portal and NIL doesn't necessarily mean that his comments are wrong. He could be hypocritical, but his comments could still be right. You'd say that with a hesitation, though. Yes or no? Are they right? I think they are. Okay. Well, you've been a big fan of his. And but you see, that's we heard you the say that, but that's today. not the point. The no, point is point whether is you like him or not, it doesn't make his statements any true or false the fact that you like him or don't like him shouldn't influence whether or not you think his statements are accurate boy if he ever gets into a hall of fame i hope he has you talk among up through the introduction form that we thing had, sailed right a, over your head yeah we no just not enough time to talk about it but we had paul feinbaum give you a different version no he called him hypocritical 
No, at the end, of, you asked him a question, and he said he, you know, you asked him if he was right, and he kind of like uh, not. He said he was. No, he you, you weren't listening carefully. Didn't he basically say he was right? Nathan's saying he did, and Nathan listens to everything. That's his job. He does what Nick can't listen. Work on time. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number three is upon us. Thanks for hanging with us on this Friday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Many, many sporting events uh, going on this week and into the weekend. We've told you about the Alabama Deep Sea Fishing Rodeo is underway. The USA Women and the World Cup Soccer open up tonight. But Woo-hoo. also, you, you got you going to watch tonight, Vietnam? I, I might. I am too. I might. I am. I'm, I'm a patriot, people. Get this. I may turn off the baseball game to watch it. How's that? I've said it before. When it's us against them, I will watch anything. I don't care if it's a spitting contest. I am all about the red, white, well, and the blue. Well, let's hope. Let's hope the the women aren't spitting so much. Uh, they go out of the way to score some goals against Vietnam and get off to a good start. They're looking for a three peat. Uh, again, for those who are basketball fans, uh, one of the ladies you'll be looking at is uh, Dennis Rodman's daughter. She's one of the top players on the USA women's soccer program. All right, now the other major sporting event is going on right now. Day two of the Open. Royal Liverpool, John Ricchetti, front and center with the Miller Lite Golf Report. Johnny, who's uh, who's doing what this morning? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, golf course is definitely in Royal Liverpool this morning. Definitely playing a lot, lot harder this morning as uh, scores are starting. The wind's picking up. Scores are starting to get, uh, come back a little bit uh, this morning, but still a lot of players getting ready to tee off. But a huge move today by Brian Harmon, the former Georgia Bulldog, that uh, started the day at four under par, 67, then shot a six under par, 65, which included his no bogeys, a eagle on the 18th hole. He is at 10 under par, a five-shot lead over, over Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood, who set the tee off in about a half hour this morning. So, as I mentioned, not really, guys, not too many people making a huge move. Uh, Rory McIlroy on the golf course. He's one under par through 14 as we speak. So, uh, I got to believe he's going to have to have a birdie or two coming down the stretch, but still a lot of golf to play. Jordan Spieth at two under par yesterday set the tee off. The young uh, amateur, Crystal Lamprecht from Georgia Tech, the South African, who's six foot eight uh, in size. Big, big, tall kid. He is uh, struggling as he's three over through four holes. He's He was tied for lead as he shot a five under par 66 yesterday, but he has found some trouble early in his round, and he is at plus three on his round, minus two for the tournament. So Brooks Kepka set the tee off here momentarily. Uh, he's at one under par, so a lot of golf still to be played today uh, to see how this thing will continue to shake out going into the weekend. Hey, guys. Johnny, have we ever seen a golfer over 6'8"? On the pro tour like that, uh, Cristiano Lembrecht, the amateur at 6'8". You know, I'd have to say uh, George Archer was up there. Uh, I 
think he was hovering six seven, maybe six eight. I would say that's probably one of that, probably one of the tallest players I've seen uh, in professional golf. Well, he's an amateur, but uh, uh, it's it, he is a big kid, and he can and he can move it, pound it too. And he can move it, uh, hits it very very far. But he's hitting it all over the golf course early in the round, and uh, this golf course can bite you. And I I look for players to uh, you know it's supposed to be windy and and really cold and rain all week, but the sun's been out for two days. So even though the course is starting to show its teeth today, uh, I look for a lot of movement today and tomorrow. So this has got a long way to go uh, before we, we before we crown a champion to the 151 Open Championship. Who do you like to win it? You know, I thought I really thought that Rory McIlroy was going to make a. Uh, I still think he's going to be in this thing. I don't know. He's like I said, he's nine shots back. But uh, I have to wait to see. Um, I, I, I go this way. It's still too early to say, but I will go on record in saying that a first-time winner of a major championship will win the Open Championship come Monday morning. John, we appreciate it, man. Enjoy it. Have a great weekend. We'll talk on with you on Monday. All right, guys. Take care. That's John Rochetti, the Miller Lite Golf Report. Uh, quick Google search. There's a South African. He's 27 years old. He's six foot ten. James Hart de Prez, apparently, is his name. I probably mispronounced it, but that's okay. 6'10", 260 pounds. And a ball speed of 211 miles an hour. I mean, so, he could be an NFL receiver driving a car. That's, that's probably too well, How about this? You put him with Lambrecht, maybe a three-on-three basketball tournament. Now you need a little guard, though, to, you know, Get out there and run the f- basketball, but I mean that's pretty good height. <laughs> Two guys, six eight, six ten. If you're going to pl- compete against any of the other uh, pro golfers, nice in-depth analysis there by a Shervanian by I Poppy. Do. Not to be confused with Big Poppy. Yeah, you're just Poppy. Yeah, I, I, that was a confusion there, but David Ortiz uh, supersedes me. Not in this city. This is your town. <laughs> My town. <laughs> I don't even have a key to the city. Nathan, um, of course, I am in the city now, as you know. I'm yeah, well, manager. maybe now you can work about getting uh, – Nathan pointed out that the average tennis serve is 120 miles an hour. So this guy from South Africa with his 211-mile-per-hour uh, uh, ball speed, you know, you're pretty th- impressive. Who's the f- Who's got the best ball speed in tennis serve fastest? You asked that like I should have that at the top of well, my no, head. I'll ask Nathan, too, since he's uh, diving into this stuff. Years ago, I was at a convention, and Roscoe Tanner was putting on a demonstration. I don't know if many of you remember him as a tennis, but he could really. Actually, he was clocked at 153 miles an hour in 1978. And I saw him right around uh, 1978, right around then. He was putting on a demonstration in North Carolina, and I was there, and I said, God, this guy can really serve. There are reports that Bill Tilden served uh, 163 miles an hour, but there was nothing to verify that. So, um, Nobody of this generation, even close to Tanner? So not only are you asking me for some random, now you're asking me for other guys that don't even make that random. All right, pass. Nathan, if he can't get the job done, can you? Wow. I think I, I, think I went above and beyond on, on that. You did, Mark. You did very well. You Andy Roddick. That's uh, the one I was thinking of too. Ah, uh, you're making that up. No, Poppy. I'm not. Andy Roddick. His well, they have a list of average first serves. His average first serve is 143 miles an hour. Bro, that's moving. What was yours? Because you I mean, told me you. There's only t- one guy I can think of and get his Lamborghini up to that speed. Yeah, who? Uh, you were a tennis 
player. Or you told me you played tennis. Well, there's a difference between playing tennis yeah. and being a tennis What player. was your serve? What were you clocked at? Uh, 37 miles an hour. I was in a school zone the whole time, bro. I, I couldn't be like, couldn't be rocking it. Let's go back to that. Uh, you mentioned about Jordan Addison, the guy yeah. who was picked up for speeding. So the thing that caught my attention was he was not arrested, but they're still investigating. You're, you stop somebody driving at 100 40, no, yeah, it was a 140, 49. I thought it was. I read maybe 140, 149 in a 55 mile an hour zone, three o'clock in the morning. And you cite him. What do you just give him a ticket and say, see you later? Oh, by the way, can you drive a little slower? Well, what do you think he said? So the guy was like, yeah. uh, license registration. Uh, You're like, what seems to be the problem, officer? <laughs> you may have been going over the speed limit, and then you, and then because you normally play that whole confused, like what? I don't, I didn't, I didn't even realize I was going that fast. Is that how he's playing that, or he's like, yeah, bro, I know, just, just give me the ticket. Now, somebody in the app said, um, in Minnesota, even speeds at over hundred miles an hour, it's a petty misdemeanor and not an arrestable offense. Wow, that's crazy. But seriously, what? I mean, don't you just be like. Yeah, you got me. I mean, do you even try to come up with it? Officer, I have to go to the bathroom. I've had to go to the bathroom for the longest time. Like, nothing's going to work. You're doing 140. So I would raise the question. You don't have to look this up. Curious if anybody out there knows, what would the ticket cost in Minnesota to get cited for a speeding like that? I don't even remember what the tickets are here in Mobile because, knock on wood, it's been a while since I've been ticketed. So that's the good thing. But 149 Reckless driving, speeding. Hey, here's a citation. Uh, could you slow it down a little bit? I wonder if the guy, you know what? <laughs> I wonder if Addison offered him, hey, look, you let me off, I'll get you some tickets to the Vikings games. In Alabama, speeding 25 miles an hour or more over the posted speed limit will get you about a $202 fine total. Um, and that's 25 miles over. This dude was doing 80. Let's just do the math. You're looking at if that's the case, you're looking at probably an eight hundred or a thousand dollar fine just for speeding, right? I would agree with you, but do you think he used the trump card? I'm uh, the Vikings' number one draft pick. I can get you tickets. No, no. That's that's how you that's how you compound the problem, right? You always hear about that. So, uh oh, Nathan Nathan's got a light bulb going off. He's doing some research over there. What do you what do you what are you reading over there? Besides Poppy's internet history search search history so it says in the minnesota statutes it says for any excess of 100 miles an hour you get your license revoked just revoked but not on the spot this says that's what it's minnesota.gov revoked for six months or a longer (laughs) minimum period so are you allowed to drive home or do you the, the the officer give you a ride home and just leave your car there uh it's a Lamborghini. My guess is the cops driving the Lambo home. They'll pick the hey, cop car up this? after. He says, right, I'll, I'll take the Lambo, and uh, you can get in the back seat. Meanwhile, I'm like, man, Nathan, you can get anything on the internet. You can't believe anything off the internet. He's like, Minnesota.gov.org, you mean? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Nathan's got a much higher pitch voice, I mean, uh, a deeper voice than, than Triple G. So you, I'm usually, I usually don't, I hear that. Man, listen, guys, listen. And over here, I get Darth Vader over here. Minnesota law says. Minnesota law. <laughs> Good work. Nice. Well, Nathan's taller in stature, bigger than Nick. Maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe, Nathan, we think. Perhaps. Isn't, isn't Nick the one who got you here, though? <laughs> uh, 
actually it was Bronner. Oh, really? But uh, he was such a good guy. <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. Hey, Bronner, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, you know, it's been, been an SEC media day. It's been great. <laughs> how do you do, Nathan? Pretty good? That was, pr- that was pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. Uh, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. Let's do this. Uh, we'll take a break, get your scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, we'll play a little bit of uh, Shane Beamer from uh, yesterday for you as well, the South Carolina coach, the one that Lee said stole the show. No, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. I heard, I read, because I didn't catch it, and I want to. I want to be accurate. I read that some said, you know, some of the people write up best and worst and everything. They said he stole it. I can't say that because I didn't hear a word of what he said. So I don't know for a fact. So why don't you trust me when I tell you Lane Kiffin stole the show? Because it'd be no fun. Because it'd be no fun to to trust you. Yeah. It'd be kind of boring. Hey, Mark, great job. Hey, I agree with everything you say. Yeah, that was really nice. Well, you you would agree with it if you understood it, but you don't. So you can't good to know that i have a psychologist working with me all right poppy yeah you S- like that slow huh? down hun you still, have a, you still have a ways to go what would they yeah you got a ways to go before they start getting you on that the opening kickoff continues stay with us hi this is blake stein former spring hill badger and kansas city royal and you're listening to wnsp sports radio Dad is an all-time legend, Frank Beamer, who still comes around, which is awesome to see. Um, I feel like he's just a natural. He's a natural leader, um, great person, great coach. He's, he's just everything he says and does motivates us as a group, and he's got this program headed in the right direction. 824, welcome back in. That's the voice of Spencer Rattler of the South Carolina Gamecocks in another uh, um, example of how well planned out this show is, Lee. Spencer Rattler, a couple of years ago at Oklahoma, remember he was the consensus pick to be the Heisman Trophy winner? I don't remember. Was that the year Bryce Young wanted? Uh, but anyway, and then things didn't go well, and he got he got benched for Caleb Williams at Oklahoma and then wound up transferring to uh, South Carolina. So with that said, uh, here's uh, a little audio of uh, South Carolina coach Shane Beamer. When you look at the other institutions or other sports on your campus, such as Dawn Staley with women's basketball and yourself. How do you all go about helping one another recruit? And also the second part of the question is, when you look at the family dynamic of you and your father, what is the best part or lesson learned from your dad from a win or a loss? Two good questions, comments. Um, One, it's a great, uh, great community that we have at Carolina of legendary coaches. You know, starting with my boss, my athletic director, Ray Tanner, who won two national championships as a baseball coach. So I got a boss that I can walk into his office and he's won national championships and I can ask him questions because he's been in my chair as a, as a head coach. Then you got Dawn and what she's done uh, on and on and on. I mean, so many fantastic coaches at our, at our place. And we all uh, uh, do not say no if we can. Uh, I've had other sports, whether it be Dawn or softball or whoever it might be that have asked me basketball that have asked me to meet with recruits when they've had them on campus and I've done that the day of games the day before games Don has never told us no you know people 
she is certainly very impactful. So she came, we had a recruiting breakfast at my house in June and she came to breakfast. And I mean, the line of like parents and recruits to take a picture with her, I didn't think we were ever gonna get them out of my house uh, because they were so excited to see her. So she's awesome and all of our coaches are, and it's a great community that we have at Carolina to help each other out because the, if we're all successful, it, it helps us all without a doubt. And I'm a fan of all Gamecock sports and, and love supporting all of our teams. And then as far as best lesson from my dad, um, uh, I would say two really stand out to me. One is just don't get, he used to say it all the time, like don't get too high and get too low. There's, there's a lot of extremes in this profession and a great win, a bad loss. We had both those plenty last season and just trying to stay the course and stay steady and not be on an emotional roller coaster. I saw that firsthand from him and try and do that now as a head coach. And then also just realizing the, I've said it before, what a thin line it is between winning and losing. Like the margin of error is so thin. And people remember my dad at Virginia Tech and the consecutive bowl games and playing for the national championship, but it took him to his uh, seventh season to get to a bowl game. Like his first six years at Virginia Tech, they didn't go to a bowl. But in 1992, they won two games. But they lost six games that year that they either led or were tied going into the fourth quarter. And they just couldn't finish. So there was a small margin for error. Next year, basically, the same team came back. They won, I think, nine, beat Indiana in the Independence Bowl and went to 20-some consecutive bowl games after that. So just realizing that uh, winning is hard. So it's helped me now in this role as a head football coach. Like, I'm always going to appreciate winning. And there may be bad performances where we win the football game. I'm going to celebrate that for sure because winning is hard, especially in this league. All right, so there you go. A little uh, Shane Beamer compliments of one Corey Labounty. Uh, quickly want to thank those guys. Uh, did a great job all week, uh, Corey and uh, Michael Bronner. Stephen Root was up there, Nick Wiggins. Uh, they uh, spent a, a, a long – it's been a long week, but uh, a very uh, productive one for our WNSP staff, so I'm we appreciate it. sure if you ask each and every one of them, they had a great time up there. Um, we may be getting Corey on in our closing ceremonies today, and that's the question you raised about which coach really did steal the show. Might be a good question for Corey since he interviewed some of them or sat in, let's say, sat in on some of the uh, – coaches when they were speaking all right uh we come back uh, brett norsworthy is going to join us live i might add uh what we're waiting on here with and we probably won't get until uh mid-morning is the sec media poll results so you can go to vegas and bet the opposite what do you think first west alabama or lsu usually it's alabama what do you think is going to happen uh lsu all right and normally, of the 1,000 or so media members, usually you only get about a quarter uh, voting on these things. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Georgia obviously be the obvious pick in the East, and it'll either be Alabama or LSU in the West. All right, stay with us. Plenty left. The opening kickoff. Find him. You can't miss those ears. <laughs> oh my. 
833, welcome back in. That's uh, Lane Kiffin on ESPN yesterday. Welcome back in to the opening kickoff as we continue on this Friday edition. Brent Norrisworthy, very popular radio talk show host in Memphis and also a member of the Ole Miss Radio Network with uh, pre-post and covers Lane Kiffin and uh, a frequent guest of mine because he's so good on the air. Brett, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, Lee, and really missed you in Nashville. Hope we can see you next year in Big D down in Dallas. There's always that possibility. I look forward to it. Uh, I've only been to Dallas one time, so uh, that could happen. Let me ask you this. Before we get to Lane Kiffin, you've covered a lot of these like I have. How did it go in Nashville? Was this one of the better ones that you covered? As the host city, it just couldn't have been better. Nashville just really crushed it, and I think we have settled in to Nashville, Atlanta is kind of the primary host of everything in the SEC world. Going to try Dallas next year. They'll get their shot. I don't know if they'll go anywhere else uh, again for media days. And we know that men's basketball is contracted out about as far as I can see for SEC postseason basketball tournament. And Greg Sankey made it clear that the football game will be in Atlanta, will stay in Atlanta, will be played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, that there will be no other rival to that, including the new dome in Nashville. So it it just went well, perfectly hosted in Nashville, boomtown that it is. And the Predators hosted an event, the Titans hosted an event, and it was a, a spectacular success, rousing success. And next year we'll be in Dallas, and it was made clear that 2025, will be back in Atlanta. It was supposed to be in Atlanta in 24, and Dallas in 25. They flip-flopped with the early exit of the Big 12 for OU and Texas to come into the league, and they wanted to give them that first year they're in the league, and they get it next year in Dallas. We've talked a lot about Lane Kiffin's comments, uh, especially his opening statement and so forth. You've heard him a lot. You've been around him. What was your take on him coming out so strongly and calling college football a disaster. Well, it, it, it is, and, but you ha- you have to deal with it. He also makes very clear in every comment that the players should be paid. They 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 should have liberation. They should have have freedom. But there must be some guardrails to just constantly for coaches to put to put rosters together. One thing that Lane Kiffin is, he's very much in the coaching fraternity. And think about his his upbringing with Coach Monty Kiffin. And his entire life has been through the prism of the coach. Now, he also knows that he's got to adapt now, whether it's on, on the field with the offenses, and he has, or it's off the field with Portal, NIL, and the player liberation. But he, he, he's just begging for some, for some controls. Because, and as he said, these, these players now benefiting from today's money and really no limits, we will look back, I think, in five, ten years when we have some controls and some uh, mechanism of, of, of rules, you know, watching over it, of these players really played in a golden era for the player and for big, big, big money. And the, the money's going to settle down. The, the market's going to find its sweet spot, and the money's going to settle down. Uh, Brett, thanks for joining us. Mark Heim here. Um, always Thank enjoy you. having you on. I, I, I've said this all day, and I know some people have pointed to Kiffin being hypocritical about the whole contract thing and guys leaving. And, and I'll say this: I think both can be true. I think you can. I think Lane can be hypocritical, and I think you, you people can talk about how he, we've heard this from him before. Um, but that doesn't make him wrong. 
Um, and, and I think he was right about a lot of it. And I think it, the bigger point that I think a lot of people missed was that he was talking about NIL and the portal combined, that each of them, of course, on their own have their issues. But when you combine the two, that's where the real issue starts. And, it talk, and, he, and he's talking about free agency. And just because, yes, he left in the middle of the night or however you want to spend that, and I think he's been uh, called on it a few times, it doesn't make what he's saying yesterday wrong. Uh, I, I agree with that, Mark, and, and and he is clear that he thinks players should have liberation and freedom, but there there must be some curtailing of literally up to opening day. I mean, every I don't I don't think a coach would leave before opening day, and I know the Tennessee fans are still plenty irritated over his departure for USC, and it, it, it was probably ha- handled poorly, but that they. He had to buy out. They they paid it, and they got out of town. Now, what he also makes very clear is these players definitely deserve to be paid to play. But you have to to have some rules and some constraints around it, and there there just aren't any right now. And and I, I don't I don't see any coming. Greg Sankey's almost begging for federal legislation, and I agree with Greg Sankey on so many things, but I couldn't disagree with him more on this. Why do we want to give the pinheads in Washington control of anything? What did they do well except for maybe the dedication of National Arbor Day? Well, I I would – and I don't know, but my guess would be they're the one entity that could have the authority to mandate any type of regulation. Now, they may come up with the wrong way of doing it, but at least – you would have to essentially listen to what they said, right? I mean, each, each yeah. as it turns out right now, each state can just do whatever they want, regardless of what the NCAA says. Yeah, but in, in, in that, Mark, what you just said, I heard two buzz, buzzwords that I don't want Washington having any more True. in our lives, authority <laughs> and mandate. Yeah, I hear it. I, I'm with you on it. I, I feel you on that one. So this new bill that's been drafted that they've publicized yesterday, like the other bills that have been drafted, do you think it'll get anywhere? I, I don't. I mean, wh- I mean, what what do you what do you trust Cory Booker for to, to get right on anything? And how does someone from New Jersey represent what we're doing? <laughs> I like it in these state legislatures. I I want our people to control it. Now, what our state legislatures are doing across the SEC footprint now, eleven states, soon to be twelve, with Oklahoma. They're basically letting the the big school in state, like in Missouri, they're letting Missouri Athletic Department basically write that law. In Arkansas, they're writing it through the through the hue of the Razorbacks. They want to write it for them. In Alabama, they're they're checking with Auburn and with Alabama. Same in Mississippi. I, I and they're decorating the tree to get it just right for each big school, big football factory in their state. I would rather have that than anything coming from the Ways and Means Committee. Hey, let me ask you something about Ole Miss and Transfer Portal. We, we've talked a lot about, over the months, about uh, Lane Kiffin doing quite a job getting quarterbacks to transfer in. Has that been the same with other positions on the team, or is it just because it's the quarterbacks that people think the transfers are really paying off for Ole Miss? I think a little more of the latter. I think because of the glamour that goes with quarterback, but he's doing a pretty good job of kind of you know you know pl- plugging the holes. But he even said yesterday, and, and Lee, you know, I have said many times with you on many forums and with, with you and Mark as well. 
You can be the portal king, but can you be the chemistry king when things go wrong? And he said yesterday that he he owned it. He didn't think he did a very good job down the stretch of the year. Everybody was really engaged and really bought in when Ole Miss was 8-1 and one and had the ball on the 14 and driving to pull the upset at home against Alabama. Then that heartbreaker led to just a really ragged performance at Fayetteville and got trucked by the Razorbacks down 42-6 to at one point in the game. Don't look at that final score. That is inaccurate as anything ever. It was a pounding. Then played pretty listless against the biggest rival, uh, your, your biggest rival in Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl Thanksgiving night and lost by two. And then in the history of ugly bowl performances that would make your eyes bleed at the effort was the Texas Bowl against Texas Tech. Let me ask you this, because this this came up also a little bit today, not by us, but by people we had on. Do you think a lot of what happened Ole Miss last year was because of the so-called uh, Auburn uh, negotiations or the talk about going to Auburn? I think it was in kind of in the mix, in the stew of what went wrong at the end of the year. But the biggest thing, I think, at the end of the year was players, there were players that checked out. I, I don't want to call any names. There was a player or two that when, when things got tough, that they got out and, and didn't want to go play in the bowl. And then there was one that had an NIL deal that said that he had to play in the bowl game. He played two series, came to Saddle and said his hamstring was tight. So let me ask you, for during the week, uh, we've talked a lot about a lot of these coaches being very vanilla, very conservative, more so than ever before. Did you find that to be the case? It, it was it was pretty vanilla. Now, Lee, what I what I fear is after the blockbuster news in 2021 of OU and a and OU and Texas coming into the league and it being broken while we were there live on Radio Row at SEC Media Days and in 2021. That was the first one back after COVID. We missed in 2020, so we needed a splash, and it, it coincided with that big news, and we got one. It's going to be downhill from there unless, you know, somehow, someday, we have more breaking news of, you know, Notre Dame wants in the SEC, you know, something like that. You know, but uh, otherwise, we're going to have just run-of-the-mill media days like most years. That's what we were used to. You know, we had Philip Fulmer uh, being subpoenaed. We've had, you know, some garrulous coaches, you know, on the stage through the years, that, you know, kind of stage clowns. But most of the years, you're just going to get blocking, tackling, football talk, and the league almost doesn't want to make any news at that week. And and I think it has a lot to do with social media. I really do. I think some of these coaches just don't want to get into it. I mean, there were comments made in Sandestin where I was, spent some time, and a lot of it got out, especially with Drinkowitz, and then you see what he does. He comes there and filibusters for, what, 12 minutes on his roster? Uh, but in Sandestin, the coaches do speak out on issues, but they do not do it now at the SEC, or did not do it this year at the SEC Media Days, except for Kiffin. Well, I think you're right about social media, and they're just scared to death to trend in anything that, that's negative. Even with Lane's comments yesterday, he prefaced every comment with, I'm for player liberation and being paid, and still the big, the big takeaway tagline is he's kind of opposed to it. And other coaches will go use that in recruiting, go, hey, you go there, he really doesn't want to pay you. Hey, Brett, I, I, I want to say this, too. When, it, when we're talking about coaches and taking a stand on anything, whether it's Lane Kiffin or or, or Nick Saban, uh, to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier, um, 
and it doesn't really matter. It's still it, it shouldn't indicate whether they're right or wrong. But I will preface this by saying I do think most of these coaches, if not all these coaches, take those stances for uh, for self-preservation. Right. I mean, it's all in, in, in the best interest of them and their program. You know, whether it's Nick Saban complaining about NIL or Lane Kiffin talking about NIL. It's all to protect whatever it is they've created and in, in, in trying to accomplish. It's not really for the betterment of college football, although that could very well be an offshoot of it. But there, it's all about self-preservation. I, I think that's that's mostly correct. Yeah, it, it's it's part of the here and now for them. But I do think there are some that are worried about the enterprise writ large. Sure, and 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 I and I I, I could get that. But like Nick Saban, he's he's not worried about. He wasn't going. He wasn't going after Texas A&M because he was worried about the state of college football. He was worried because at that point last year, whenever it was, he couldn't compete with Texas A&M with the amount of dollars they were throwing out there in collectives. Yeah, I think he was more more concerned with the the, the short term of, yeah. of maybe falling behind or players that he would normally get in 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 past years. But I do think Nick Saban really does care about college football and care about the sport and his own testimonial about how much football means to him. And I know it's been very, very good to him and very good to all, all of his, everybody in his family. But I do think he loves the sport and does care about it. But he definitely wants to win right now, and he doesn't want anybody getting the edge over it. All right. The, uh, I'm, we're, we're talking about the media poll. We figure Georgia will obviously be a, the pick in the East. On the West, any thoughts, either Alabama or LSU? Well, I didn't pick Georgia in the East. I picked Tennessee to win the East. I think Tennessee will upset them in late November, and George that will be their one be Georgia's one loss. Tennessee's one loss will be in Tuscaloosa, but by virtue of the tiebreaker, they would represent the East in the championship game. And in the West, I picked Alabama. As long as Nick Saban's the coach, I'm going to pick Alabama in that preseason poll. And in my SEC championship game, I have Tennessee over Alabama and Tennessee winning the SEC championship for the first time in the 21st century and the first time since 1998. Or as I like to tell my Tennessee friends, Mike Dubos has won an SEC championship more recently than Tennessee. Wow. Wow. So who wins that the the head to head in the uh in the regular season? You you got Alabama or Tennessee winning that one? Alabama wins at BDS. All right. All right. So then Tennessee by the end of this upcoming season, if 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 your vision comes to reality, will have won two out of three over Alabama after not beating Alabama for however many days it was prior. That's crazy. That's right, and they'll and they'll win the very first same first Saturday in December meeting instead of the third Saturday in October when they beat in Atlanta. Man, the college football landscape truly is changing fast before our eyes, Brett. It, it is. I think this year will be the year of the rematch, I think. Michigan beats Ohio State. That's Ohio State's only loss. Michigan goes undefeated. They're the number one seed, but they they beat Ohio State in a rematch in the Rose Bowl and Tennessee Georgia rematch in the Sugar Bowl and Georgia gets revenge from the regular season matchup by beating Tennessee in the playoffs. Then it's Georgia Michigan in the finals. Georgia wins three feet for Kirby. And he doesn't even win the SEC. Yeah. Man, I wish you would have given that some thought. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, Brett, great stuff as always. We really enjoy having you on. Uh, have a great weekend, and we'll talk again soon. You got it, man. Thank you. Yep, Brett Northworthy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll come back. We'll see if we can catch up with uh, Corey Labounty. I think they're headed home from uh, Nashville. We'll get the latest. We'll get a recap. 
We'll say goodbye for the weekend or the week. Mark Heim, Poppy over here. If you, if you don't know why we're calling him Poppy today, it's because that's what his grandkids call him. Greg Sankey told Corey Labounty what, you know, we're talking about names. So he will now forever be in our hearts as Poppy. He's left so we can we can talk, Nathan, just you and me for the next seven seconds. Say whatever it is is on your mind that you don't normally get a chance to say. Not much today. He's not the best in the business for nothing, folks. One final segment. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Hahn. And, of course, Poppy. My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. It's 8.52. One final segment. Uh, Want to bring in the man, the myth, the legend, Michael. Oh, no. it's, it, it's We don't have Bronner. Instead, we're going with Corey. Uh, okay. All right. We'll mention something. We'll get to Corey. Yeah, I do want to uh, thank again, uh, final time, some of our sponsors, Air of Excellence, uh, Ken Morgan, Allstate agent, uh, Eagle Dent Repair, Chavez Furniture, and the Hedge Copeland Attorneys. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, the title sponsors, Pat Industrial and Auto Supply, Greer's Markets, and a big thank you to Corey Labounty and the other three fantastic four members that went up there for all the audio they fed us. Corey, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Hey, look, man, just too blessed to be stretched. Just looking forward to getting back to Mobile. We're going to head 65 south here in about an hour or so. But it's just been a whirlwind of a week here in Nashville, Tennessee. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, in your opinion, any coach that stole the show this week? Well, of course, you know, Lane Kiffin is going to be Lane Kiffin. And I think that he probably got the most chuckles and giggles and the most size out of anyone that took the podium as a head coach. Uh, you know, really no fireworks, to so to speak. Uh, you know, Josh Heupel asked about the sanctions. Now that that's behind him, of course, Kirby Smart was only asked one question about the speeding and all the off-field distractions. So really no fireworks besides pretty much in consensus, all the coaches talking about NIL and the portal and how it's changing college football. Were you expecting anything more from some of the coaches? Were you disappointed in any of the coaches? No, you, you, you really don't want to give any extra motivation to any other teams. And talking to Commissioner Sankey, you know, he kind of gives a little elbow or a strong nudge, you know, kind of talk about your team only because, I mean, Lane Kiffin was given the dynamite but didn't like the fuse in regards to ranking SEC boosters in regards to what they pay teams. So that part uh, would have ignited everyone and gone viral for sure. But, no, the, the coaches really kept it close to the bet. How great would that have been? Had he mentioned that and his thoughts on the Tennessee investigation, he held back on that one too. But that's the stuff we want to hear man that's the unfiltered stuff yeah. that you know let, I, I don't i don't i don't give a damn about your backup right guard man tell me that stuff <laughs> yeah I, I, even if it's a, a, a what they say a fraudulent slip of the tongue yeah that's what you want because once it comes out 
you kind of have to kind of backtrack it, which is hard to do. I mean, you look at Shane Beamer talking about Oklahoma and being the best college environment in the country and kind of forgetting that he's the head coach at South Carolina. You know, oops, I need for my stadium to be the best atmosphere in college football. So, you know, you just they real carefully uh, analyze their answers. And as far as players were concerned, J.C. Latham from Alabama making his Stearns. Look, Georgia being the standard, you know, he started to really open it up, but was very honest about his own expectations and the team's expectations for Nick Saban as well. So what's going on with the uh, final drive today, this, this afternoon? You guys coming back to the studio or, or just what? No, we're going to do the best of, for certain, the best of the final drive. Got some wonderful interviews this week. Your good friend Bill Hancock, Gary Stoken among them, of course, Commissioner Sankey, and, you know, having an opportunity for Nick Wiggins and myself to, to ask Nick Saban a question in the electronic media room. We'll play all of that hearing from Alabama players, Auburn players. And, you know, it's just a, a great overall week. You always love to hear from Gary Danielson and his knowledge and wisdom that he gives. Uh, Ryan McGee is another great guy, great storyteller, great writer. So all those will be the best of the final drive this afternoon. Well, Corey, we'll let you hit the road, sir. We appreciate all the hard work. We appreciate uh, everything you guys did. And um, as far as content, uh, nice job on the questions uh, to saving by all you guys. So we really do appreciate safe travels home and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a great weekend. That's Corey Labounty, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can hear the final drive today at three. Uh, in the meantime, um, we will be back on Monday where we will recap the USA women's dominating performance over Vietnam in the world cup. Also the open. Golf tournament, find out who wins that. That'll be fun, too. It's unusual. You, you you get up at what? Well, I actually, when I get up at 3 in the morning, that's going on. Uh, it's That's rare, obviously, to see that because, obviously, the time difference between England and here. But I uh, talked to some people who uh, love golf, and they said there's nothing better than waking up whenever they do and being able to tune in golf early in the morning. Okay. And then we've got, uh, let's see, oh, the fishing rodeo. We'll follow that up with the judge. I'm not buying that whole nothing greater than waking up. Like, I'm a big college football fan. I don't want to get up at 8 o'clock to watch, you know, Alabama and Auburn. Oh, let me, I let remember. Me get, let me get some lunch. I remember when I was in Hawaii and I, I woke up and the NFL games were starting. Yeah, I, I'm not down with that. Nine in the morning. No. No. Give me a cheeseburger and we'll talk. Hey, Nathan, thank you so much for all your help this week. Double duty Nathan over there got himself a nickname from Poppy. Poppy's big on nicknames. It's it's a sign of affection and respect. It's a nice job. No, we appreciate everything you did. Uh, I want to thank all you guys for uh, hanging with us through SEC Media Days. It was a lot of fun this week. Uh, and, of course, want to wish you and yours a happy and safe weekend. We're back at it Monday at 6. Until then, see ya.